For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! Good morning, Wednesday, non-walk-through Wednesday morning. I are on Birds 365 as we continue to recover from the Eagles' loss in Super Bowl 57 to the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, the losses just keep coming, and we're here to talk about it for the next two hours. Your Mac and Mac guys, McDonald and McMullen. Uh, Jay Mac, I got to give you the nod. Uh, I text you Sunday before the game for whatever reason, set up gas, whatever else. Uh, and you hit me back with, and the Eagles staff looks like it's being picked apart. And I knew full well the Steichen thing was a possibility and was closer to happening than Jonathan Gannon. Uh, but you were on top of it, said Gannon to the Cardinals is going to happen. And I said, well, let's wait and see how the game goes. And the game didn't go all that well. And I thought maybe he cost himself the job. Uh, but you were on top of this one. You said you thought that the Cardinals were going to hire him, and they did. So in 48 hours after the game has ended, the Eagles have lost both of their coordinators. That's not good, J-Mac. No, it's not. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, uh, judging by my Twitter, that are happy that Jonathan Gannon are gone. But uh, I think that tune will change soon enough, unfortunately. But we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out uh, moving forward. But anytime you lose uh, coordinators, it's difficult, right? They're there for a reason. Uh, you know, most likely the Eagles are going to stay in-house. I think it's more likely if they're going to go outside. It would be defensive coordinator more than offensive coordinator. But ultimately, they're probably going to stay in-house for both. And, you know, guys who were coordinators over guys who weren't coordinators for a reason. And we went through this with Andy Reid, who probably has the best coaching tree 
in the history of the NFL, to be honest, certainly in the modern NFL, at least. Um, and, and when the attrition starts, it gets more difficult. And, and sometimes you find guys who, um, and Nick Sirianni, you know, spoke about this cause he knew, <laughs> you know, Howie Roseman said from day one, we're renting Jonathan Gannon. I mean, that he's so well-regarded around the NFL. He, he knew he had a short shelf life here. Um, and that's how it turned out. They ended up being correct. Um, you know, Shane was a little bit more under the radar, but once he got the play calling uh, and he turned out to have such a feel for it, he got the feeling he wasn't going to be here long either. Uh, and that's the way it, 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 it shook out, un- unfortunately, for the Eagles. But that's the price of success. I mean, people are going to come looking for, and, and they went through it last year with the front office. Uh, and now they're going through it with the coaching staff. Um, and it makes things more difficult. But Nick was aware and Nick was grooming guys and he takes a lot of pride in that, um, especially with the younger coaches trying to bring them along, trying to manage them, trying to coach his coaches, so to speak. So he's been preparing for this and, um, We'll see how it works, but it's 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 going to be difficult. There's and no doubt. You guys, about and when I say you guys, I mean uh, those on the Eagle Beat, the guys that do uh, hit all the major uh, interview uh, sessions with, uh, were right on top of it, and uh, rightfully so. Started asking questions when requests for interviews for both Gannon and Steichen started to come uh, to the Eagles. And uh, Sirianni was asked about if you were to lose the old hypothetical question, which you know I love. Um, and he was receptive to answering the questions and did say, hey, I know what I have in my building. I know the guys that I have on my staff that I like as much as I do, but I'm on top of what's going on around the league. I'm aware of who's doing good job in other places. So he did at least plant the seed that they would be open-minded to looking to other teams if they had to fill openings and voids in their uh, own coaching staff because of upgrades and defections by some of their coaches going elsewhere. And now they have to fill two of those biggest voids and needs that they have. Uh, Lip service, do you think he meant it? You just told us you think it's more likely that they will just promote from within rather than go outside. Uh, Do you think uh, it is a serious consideration that they are right now discussing who could potentially come in and join this Eagle staff from another organization? Well, two things there. They have to. Number one, uh, the Rooney rule changes uh, from a couple years ago. You have to uh, interview at least one outside candidate uh, for uh, coordinator jobs now. So they have to, they have to talk to, to someone. And, and, and like I said, it's more likely um, going to be on the defensive side than the offensive side. Look, Jalen Hart hurts is very close to Brian Johnson. That's why we're all pointing in that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's what he wants. He's the guy getting the $50 million extension. It's amazing how things are quickly now you're trying to make the quarterback happy. I'm, I'm, I'm very confident in saying that Brian Johnson's going to be the offensive coordinator of this team. Defensively, I'm not nearly as confident. If they stay in the house, it'll probably be Denard Wilson uh, being the new coordinator. He's certainly second in command. Jonathan Gannon 
himself called him his right-hand man. Uh, he would be the guy. But I do think they'll take some time and talk to some people outside the organization. And that's a little bit, remember, Nick's an offensive guy, right? So uh, when you have that setup, Jonathan Gannon was in charge of the defense. So, I mean, you know, he had more freedom on his side of the ball than Shane Steichen had on his side of the ball. Um, and and it's a bigger job when you have an offensive head coach. The defensive coordinator is a bigger job. It's a bigger deal. Um, so, you know, they got to get that one right or as close to right as, as possible. And, you know, they got to ask themselves first off. And I know, look, a lot of people didn't like Jonathan Gannon for whatever reason. Um, you know, I think it had more to do with the scheme and how they played in the modern NFL more than dislike for the actual person. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, do they want to keep running this scheme? Number one, that's where it starts. If you want to, if you want to keep the Fangio scheme, you know, all right, then Denard Wilson's in play, you know, maybe some other acolytes he has around the league. Sean Desai is one guy I, I brought up in Seattle. Uh, he's a Fangio guy. Um, he's been interviewing for coordinator. Sean Payton might bring him in in Denver. I don't think he's made a decision yet. Um, so there are some names out there. And it starts first and foremost, do you want to keep running this scheme? I, I don't like it. I tell you this all the time. Now, people yeah. people know I like Jonathan Gannon personally, and I do. And I admit that, and I'm very honest about that. But I also say, and Jody, you know this better than anybody. I don't like this scheme. No. I don't like it. Too many teams run it. At, at a certain point, there's a tipping point, like with Tony Dungy in the cover two and Pete Carroll in the cover three. When you get all these replicants, at certain at a certain time, there's a tipping point. Too many teams are playing it. Too many offenses get adept at, at, at the weaknesses of it. And I, and I want more ahead of the curve kind of thinking um but that's easier said than done that's let me give you and and what john just said is true if you need my confirmation if john said it once he said it 50 times here on birds 365 in the last year and change don't really like the system like jonathan gannon but don't like the system for the reasons that you just stated um but here's the reason why if i were guessing that i think they're going to stick with the system that they do have in place They've got two key guys that they've acquired in the last year that they made major commitments to, one with money, one with draft capital, that fit the Fangio system maybe better than they would another system, and that's Hassan Reddick and Jordan Davis. That Reddick is a guy with his skill set, fits very well, and, oh, excelled in the Jonathan Gannon slash Vic Fangio system, and Jordan Davis was specifically picked because he's a fit for the Fangio system to have that anchor in the middle of the defensive line and be the guy to stop the run. They made a commitment to those two guys. They, 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 Hassan Reddick's going to make a bunch of money the next several years, and you want him to continue to put up the kind of numbers and production he did. And Jordan Davis needs to even up his game next year because he got off to a nice start had the injury, kind of flattened out. They went out and got the veteran guys to fill the void while he was hurt, and then they stayed part of the mix. So his number of snaps and his actual plays that he made were probably less than uh, you, me, or anybody else was hoping for at the beginning of the season. 
It doesn't mean they're going to go in another direction. Oh, no, they're still going to try and get as much as they can out of Jordan Davis and changing to another system where he's not playing on the nose and going to a different type defense. I just don't see it, John. I think no, because I agree. Of those two guys, it's it, it, maybe it's from someone outside the organization, but it's going to be a very similar system to what Jonathan Gannon ran. I agree with you. I don't think they're changing, but I mean that that my only point is that's your that's got to be your first decision as Nick Sirianni. Do you want to move forward? I agree with everything you just said. I mean, the talent they have, the talent that's going to be back is built for that scheme. And yeah, I mean, is 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 Jordan Davis talented enough? A lot of people said, you know, well, he's got to do more um, than just be the nose tackle in a in a in a 50 front where you only play it, you know, 30% of the time um, on a good day. Um, and ultimately he's got to do uh, uh, evolve and do more things moving forward to justify taking them where they took them. Um, so there's room for growth there, but you're dead on with Reddick. I mean, uh, look, he's built for this system. He had a great year. Didn't have a great Super Bowl, unfortunately, but overall was tremendous. And I think a lot of that, the Super Bowl issues had to do with the field, to be honest, because, you know, maybe there wasn't a player more hurt by that field than Hassan Reddick, because that's his whole game, man. I mean, his whole game is built on speed and and just and he couldn't get his footing. Uh, and I think it hurt him more than any other player on that field. Uh, but overall, you know, when you step back and you say, well, that guy was dominant. He was the most dominant defensive player on the Eagles. You know, top five for defensive player of the year, deservedly so. Um, he had a tremendous season. But you saw some of the issues in the Super Bowl because of the bad turf that there would be maybe in a different system where he isn't given the freedom, where he is undersized, where he is getting a little bit, you know, bulldozed in the running game. So I, yeah, I'm with you 100%. Um, yeah, they're going to keep the same system. I'm not in love with that, but they're going to keep the same. But it system. looks like it's going to go that way. I, and I do want to get this question for you because I thought about it as the defections were starting to happen. And if they got the job, yeah, here on birds, 365, everybody's more concerned about, well, what's going to happen with the Eagles going forward. But I am intrigued by how the two guys who are leaving will handle their new positions um, if uh, there's one thing we know about you more so than don't like the Fangio system, it's the fact that you do like CEO coaches and that Nick Sirianni transformed into a CEO coach midway through his first year and had the level of success that the Eagles did this year. Well, now you got two other newbies starting in different positions in Indianapolis and in Arizona. Um, sometimes for new guys, they want to prove their worth and, both of these guys were play callers here in Philadelphia and it helped get them their new positions. Nick, uh, excuse me, uh, Jonathan Gannon in Arizona and Shane Steichen in Indianapolis. Both of them calling plays, one calling plays and the other one confident enough in their ability as a head coach, even though they've never done it before, to hire two coordinators and just be a guy who steps back and runs the overall show. Either of those two guys going to be CEO coaches right out of the box in their new uh, town? <clears throat> well, Shane is not. I mean, he 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 told me, and I can tell you this now because he he told the indie reporters that he's calling plays. I mean, I I brought that up 
with them behind the scenes, I said, I mean, that's a big job. And I said, look at Nick. I mean, Nick was two and five and he said, you know what? I'm going to rethink this. I have a lot of trust in you. Uh, I'm going to move. You're going to call the plays. And I said, did that have an imprint on you? And he's like, yes, it did. I thought about it a lot, but I'm going to call plays. <laughs> and <laughs> so he knows, but he's going to call plays. And he, and he told the people in Indy that yesterday. Um, with JG, I don't think is as important with defense. I don't think you get as bogged down as a defensive play caller as you do, but you can get bogged down as an offensive play caller. We'll see. I I don't know if he's going to call plays. I I I texted him yesterday. I haven't gotten the text back. Now he's busy. Yeah, a little um, busy. Um, it, you know, I mean, it, I ultimately he's probably going to call plays. If it if if you force me to to assume, I think he's going to call plays. Uh, and but I think he's open minded to the fact that if 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 it gets a little bit too big, he can step back. And I don't think it's in, it's not as important. There's not as much as you can do on the defensive side as the offensive side. Right. Those are the guys who get bogged down. Those the offensive play callers they get bogged down. Um, so for the people in, in in Indianapolis, it's something to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, I asked Shane that right away, and he said, "I'm calling plays." And he and he told those people, and look, he went through it. He saw he he had a he had a front row seat, but he's going to at least try it. Now, maybe if he gets off to a bad start, maybe and he hires an offensive coordinator that he he has a lot of confidence in, um, maybe it goes the same direction. But he's going to he's certainly going to start calling plays. If the Eagles uh, don't go the Brian Johnson route, which both you and I think they're going to, would that be a guy that you would expect Shane to reach out to if he's thinking along those lines as making his offensive quarter? Uh, there's already speculation as to who will be poached off the Eagles staff by these two guys leaving if Johnson's not the coordinator. Who do you think's got the better chance to get him, Shane? Or do you think he'll go out with Jonathan and go, yeah, the offense will be all mine and chains. I'm just going to be a guy along for the ride. If he's going to be called plays, oh, they're going to give me the well, whole it, kit it, 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 in that Arizona. instance, in that instance, you would think Arizona would have the better chance because you have same thing I was talking about here. Jonathan Gannon had complete control because there was an offensive head coach in there. He would have complete control because um, he's, under a defensive head coach where Shane's going to have control over the offense. So from that perspective, and that by the way, is the only thing that I think can derail Brian Johnson as the OC here. First of all, the Eagles know all the interests, so they know they have to promote them or they're going to lose them. Number one. Second part though, is if Nick's going to take back the play calling and he said, um, you know, that will be reevaluated if and when Shane leaves. In other words, he's not said con concretely, I'm never calling plays again. He He's known Shane Steichen for years. He's very comfortable with Shane Steichen. He knows Shane is going to implement what he wants implemented. Brian Johnson, he didn't have a relationship with, um, you know, Howie Roseman found Brian Johnson said, look, this guy's uh, an up and coming young coach. Look at him for quarterback. Then he interviewed him and hired him and all that kind of stuff. 
but they don't have that long relationship. And if Nick says, well, I got to call plays and Brian says, well, I can go call plays in Arizona or somewhere else. That's the only thing I think that could derail. And I'm not saying that's going to happen because I think he's going to be the offensive coordinator, but that's that little sliver that could derail it. Um, so a lot of, a lot of dominoes left to fall. And oh, by the way, if you don't think that's important, that's why Shane Steichen's now a head coach in the league because he got a chance to call plays here in Philadelphia. Nick Sirianni set him up to become a head coach in Philadelphia. So Brian Johnson was around that part of that for the past two years. So he's going to look and go, what's my most direct way if he wants to eventually be a head coach in the league? And that is the track that most assistant coaches want. Everyone wants a chance to, to grab the big whistle, sit in the big chair. Uh, that would be advantageous for him to go somewhere else and somewhere else where he's under a defensive coach. That's about his best chance you're going to get to show your wares if you want to be a head coach in the league. Although you and I are both down in and think that uh, Brian Johnson is going to be the next offensive coordinator. If he goes, Kevin Petulo next choice? Yeah, offensive coordinator because yeah. he's uh, Shane. Uh, excuse me, Nick Sirianni has had a longer relationship with him than he has Brian Johnson. Yeah, correct. He's very close to Kevin Petulo, and that's another part of this. Like, you know, for up to I think Nick Sirianni, and and by up to I mean um, he didn't have to c- concern himself with anything else. Um, and, and the old vacuum, so to speak. I think Kevin Petulo would be the next offensive coordinator because he's really close to him, really close to him. Remember, you know, he did a lot of logistical stuff. He, he's the guy he leans on when he got the job, when he had COVID and there was a chance he wasn't going to be able to coach. Kevin was going to be the head coach. Those two are very, very close, very, very close. But he's got to worry, you know, Jalen's comfortable with Brian Johnson. The organization's comfortable with you have to invest in everybody else's. This is what we went through with Doug Peterson. You know, it's not just you. You're going to make a bigger decision for everybody. And ultimately, then they're at the risk of losing Kevin Petullo because maybe Shane takes him there as an offensive coordinator. Maybe Jonathan Gannon takes him. To, now, I think he's going to hire uh, Drew Petzig, who's he's got a relationship back from Minnesota. So, I don't think there's as big a concern with Arizona. But you can't block guys anymore from taking coordinator jobs. So that's changed. So they're probably going to lose one of those guys who, who's not the offensive coordinator. It's going to be more likely Kevin Petula. It's the price you pay for success. And the Eagles fans are smarting a little bit because they didn't get the ultimate success of a Super Bowl championship. But it was still a hell of a year. And yes, that's what happens when you have the kind of season the Eagles have. Other coaches go other places to show that they were a big part of a very successful season and the promotions are what everybody's in this game for. All right, he's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We will get our first of the two guests we've got coming up. One of our favorites. He does a great job covering the uh, Philadelphia Eagles for the Inquirer. And I thought his Super Bowl column was outstanding. A little painful, but outstanding just the same. Marcus Hayes from the Enquirer joins us next here on Birds 365. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. 
Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi, I'm Jim Mulebronner, managing partner at Delval Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Here on Birds 365, we are joined by one of John's esteemed colleagues on the Eagle Beat. He covers it all for the Philadelphia Inquirer, one of the lead columnists here in town. Marcus Hayes joins us here on Birds 365. All right, Marcus, serious question to start. Which do you think was more likely? The NFL fixed the game for the Chiefs (laughs) to win to keep Patrick Mahomes as the face of the franchise, more so by playing on a doctored field, which would uh, hurt the Eagles more than it uh, would the Chiefs. Not sure how they knew that, but somehow they did. (laughs) Or that the referee was in on it. Of course, that kind of questionable call against Bradford late in the game was uh, made for the sole purpose of the Chiefs winning the game. Uh, Which of those two ways to fix the game in advance do you think the NFL was more guilty of? Well, both teams had to play on the same field, and uh, it was an obvious holding call. So I'm not going to – You're not buying (laughs) into any of the grassy gold theories I'm getting on my Twitter or on my phone last night on WIP. It's funny, like – Philadelphia spent two weeks criticizing San Francisco fans and media for, I know. for, for oh, sour no grapes, kidding. and they have out-sour graped them by a million. It's just, it's, it you know, you know. unbelievable. And, you know, it's the, the latest thing is like, oh, great, Jonathan Gannon's gone. Now uh, now maybe we can get somewhere. Oh, but I, I mean, <laughs> he's at the number two defense. You know, number two defense, and they took him to the Super Bowl. He gave up seven points in the first half to the best quarterback in history, and a Hall of Fame coach who's probably going to be a, a Rushmore coach. 
Yeah. I mean, Philadelphia loses with the grace of Donald Trump. <laughs> you know, it's. I'm actually impressed at the <laughs> money. When you go to the house and hand the robber your money, <laughs> it's we were robbed. You know. Yeah, I mean, well, hey. It's emotional. It's an emotional game. The Eagles lost a a great opportunity. Uh, They were certainly in that game. If they make a play defensively at some point, they probably win the game. But I saw your column on, on, on the losses of Jonathan Gannon, and I'm with you versus Shane Steichen. Gannon is the more important loss because, A, you have an offensive head coach, so part of it's just common sense. And nation means once in a generation. Patrick Mahomes, well, on Sunday night again. You, we, you, and I might be culprits and, and culpable for some of this because we told them. I don't know what your prediction was. I think you had it closer than I did, but yeah. I thought that they would win the game relatively easily, kind of going away. The thing that I thirty-one twenty-seven, so close yeah, game, I, but Eagles win it. I had thirty-three twenty-five. And the reason I had it was because I bought, I believe that the defensive the offense, the Eagles' offensive line was superior not only to the Chiefs' offensive line, but to the Chiefs' defensive line. And that was just a miscalculation. You know, the Eagles lost it in the trenches. They couldn't get their running game going with their running back. And the Giants and the Cowboys devalue them at their peril. You know, one of the reasons they're not, they, they can't advance through the playoffs is because they have too much asset tied up in the running back, elite running back. Uh, position yeah and you know you look at the other side Isaiah Pacheco perfect example right seventh round draft choice um, playing in the Super Bowl uh, you know he's not a great running back but he's capable enough to get you to the Super Bowl as your lead back and win the Super Bowl so I think while we talk about the position being devalued as a whole Marcus the NFL got that one right. It should be devalued because we see it all the time. You can find competent players at that particular position. It's not great for the guys who play that, unfortunately. It used to be one of the marquee positions in the league. It's just not anymore. So the Eagles are very savvy when it comes to that positional value. So I'm with you. Unfortunately for Miles, he'll probably get some team to – give him a heck of a lot more money than the Eagles are willing to go. So I think he's one guy that you can say pretty, pretty clearly at this point is probably not going to be back. Now they have so many, so many decisions to make on the defensive side of the ball because they went in, they went all in there's they, you know, Hassan Reddick's going to be here, Josh sweat. There's a couple guys, but you got to make decisions virtually everywhere, you know, are you bringing Fletcher Cox back? Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave up front. TJ Edwards, you got to sign. Kaiser White, is he going to be? You're going to make a decision. Marcus Epps, CJ Gardner Johnson, James Bradbury, on and on and on and on. Didn't this increase the sense of urgency for you? Like they got to get, they're here. They got to get this one because it's going to be much more difficult moving forward. Well, before we knew Fletcher was coming, so this time last year, there were some things we didn't know. We didn't know if Fletcher was coming back. We didn't know if Brandon was going to be any good and if they were going to bring him back or cut him, you know. Um, We didn't know they were going to have Kaiser White. We didn't know they were going to have James Bradbury. We didn't know. So they they clearly saw this as a one-year window, which is why this time last year we were wondering which quarterback they were going to trade for, right? This was a one-year window. 
Yeah. Even if they kept Fletcher and kept Brandon, you know, we knew that this was probably going to be their last year. Um, so I, I would, I would say, Jonathan, John, Jonathan, I'll call you Jonathan from now on. In in in, well, uh, yeah, in the memory, new one yeah. in the memory of John G- Jonathan Gannon. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of decisions to be made by the Eagles. If Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave want to come back at a discount, I'm sure they'd gladly find room for them on another one-year deal. But Fletcher wants two years. Brandon wants two years. Uh, TJ Edwards is going to, you know, this is his time to get as much money as he can from somebody who doesn't watch Super Bowl tape. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it was his, he was the, he was the special teams guy too. He was the guy that gave up the return. That was his lane. The guy went past him. on. I mean, not because he wasn't there, just he wasn't good or he wasn't athletic enough to make the play. So, you know, I think the big decisions for me, for them, are when do you do Jalen in relation to when you do C.J. Gardner-Johnson and then try to do James Bradbury? And you're going to overpay James Bradbury. You're going to pay C.J. market value and you're going to pay uh, Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, market value. But you're going to have to overpay James Bradbury and it's going to hurt. So that's the big gamble. You know, you're going to have two cornerbacks making a ton of money who got roasted by, you know, the best quarterback they faced all year. And with a new defensive coordinator, and I think I counted eight defensive players, if you want to count, and Kong Sue and Linval Joseph as frontline players they're go- who can be free agents this year. So this defense is going to be a mess, and almost all the decisions to be made, except I think Isaac Sayamalo, and Miles Sanders, yeah. Isaac Samalo, the right guard, yeah. are on the defensive side. So it'll be really interesting to see where they go in the draft for me and how many young players are playing frontline defensive positions next year. And I really think it, the, if they succeed, it hinges on the, the ability of N'Kobe Dean to be a playmaker at linebacker next season. You, I want to confirm what you were saying about uh, two of the defensive guys that have to make a decision on if they have to extend, get past their comfort zone to specifically lock in one of their D-backs and, and quote-unquote overpay, you think it's more Bradbury than Chauncey Gardner-Johnson? No, I think it's more Chauncey Gardner-Johnson than Bradbury, but I don't think okay. they acquired Chauncey Gardner-Johnson without expecting to pay him market value as a safety. I think they see him as a foundational piece Brian Dawkins, Malcolm Jenkins, we've seen them invest in that position before, but only one of them. So sorry, Marcus Epps. Um, but I think they, they acquired him with the intention of paying him and the intention of paying Jalen Hurts, two guys who are of similar ages, similar skill sets. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is a magnificently gifted safety. I mean, he's your he's one of your better blitzers. He can play nickel. He makes play. You know, he gets interceptions and he understands the concepts. So I think they see those two guys as up the middle uh, guys who are inevitably uh, going to get paid and they'll pay market value for them, but they'll have to get creative to extend to, to, I guess, re-sign now James Bradbury. All right. Let's talk about, since we went down the market value route, Marcus, uh, let's talk about the quarterback because um, Say what you want about uh, Joe Banner, and many people have, but the guy knows the financial landscape of the NFL. Uh, he put the number at between 47 and 52 average annual value of 
uh, potential extension uh, for Jalen Hurts. First off, and Jeffrey Lurie said it during Super Bowl week, this guy's got nothing left to prove, Jalen Hurts. Number one, would you agree with that? And number two, is it even feel like tasting bad medicine that you're going to have to sign Jalen Hurts to this contract? I mean, that's the cost of doing business at, at the position if you have a superstar player. And by the way, I use that term legitimately. This is a superstar player. Second in the MVP voting. I think he played better than Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I think he did. I'm not saying he's better than Patrick Mahomes over a consistent period. I think, as I said, that's the best quarterback in the NFL. But on that one day, for that 60 minutes, he made a big mistake, and that enters into it. He was unbelievable. Is there any buyer's remorse that's going to happen when they have to sign Jalen Hurts? Well, I'll take the second point first. Um, Patrick Mahomes is the maybe the best quarterback in history. He's certainly the most talented quarterback in history. And I, you know, I'm a big Aaron Rodgers stan, you know, and I respect what Tom Brady so did. I, by the way, yeah. but Patrick yeah. Mahomes won the game, and Jalen Hurts gave up seven points. So I, I can't, I can't say that, you know, that bit, that, that was a seven point mistake, and they lost by four. Yes, so, it was. um. Uh, Going forward, here's the, here's the calculus for me. Jalen Hurts has been injured significantly at the end of all three seasons. And he was injured significantly because of the type of quarterback he is. It's not that he's fragile, and it's not that he's not tough. It's that he, he is exposed by himself and his coaches to injury. He was injured on an RPO with a legal tackle, Injured by a guy who's fast as fast or faster than him, who but much, much bigger. That's going to happen over and over and over again. The human body can only take so much. He had surgery after last season. He doesn't need surgery on his shoulder. So that's the biggest part of the calculus. So how do I protect myself from that? I don't sign him to as many years, but I max out the amount of guaranteed money early in his career. So I think the number that Joe Banner was tossing around was like five years and 250, right? Well, I would be more comfortable giving him five years and 250 than, you know, 10 years and 500 million like Patrick Mahomes got. And the trade-off would be, I essentially make the first three and a half years guaranteed. So five years, 250 and a hundred and what is it? Like 138, 100, $125 million guaranteed. That's what I'd be comfortable doing. Now, that's not going to break the bank and it's not going to set the records that Jalen Hurts and his representatives hope for. But, you know, finish the season healthy and then we'll talk. All right. So let me play a little negotiating devil's advocate with you, Marcus. Mm -hmm. That Jalen and his agent say, listen, here's where we're starting. It's going to be Deshaun Watson's contract. You're going to have to go at least five years. We're talking about that 50 million per and we want every single dollar guaranteed. And we're not moving off it. How difficult would the season be next year if they don't have an extension in place? And Jalen is playing on the last year of his rookie deal with free agency in the offing, and they haven't gotten anything done. Does that just derail a season in 2023 before it even starts? Well, that would depend on the character of the quarterback. And I think Jalen Hurts' character is impeccable, number one. 
And you you couched it, Jody, as you know, Jalen Hurts saying, okay, look what I'm going to do. How is that bad for the Eagles? You know, you, you, the leverage – and the Eagles have, uh, you know, plenty of draft picks. If Jalen Hurts says, I'm not going to play for this money, then you draft a quarterback. Oh. Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts might be his own, his own worst enemy because, number one, he'd be playing for a contract and he'd have to play very, very well to get that contract because the Eagles wouldn't be the only doubters. And I'm not, I don't know how they regard him. I know what Jeffrey said. I don't know how they regard him. So, but we're playing devil's advocate. You know, if having a young quarterback playing on a show me contract that doesn't preclude him from coming back to the Philadelphia Eagles, and maybe next year he shows you he's worth all that money and all that guaranteed money, he's not going to not take it. He's not going to, he's not going to say, you know, I'm, I'm so principled. I'm going to go get this money from a crummy team over here that doesn't have a quarterback. Number one. Number two, um, I don't think Jalen Hurts would shrink from shy away from competition at all. You know, Alex Smith didn't. Alex Smith had a very good year getting out of uh, Kansas City. It happens all the time. So, I mean, would it be uncomfortable for, you know, the first few weeks of training camp? Yeah. But Jalen Hurts is probably the most competitive, committed athlete I've ever seen this side of Michael Jordan. And he would definitely play hard and play well for that contract. And you just hope you can draft the next Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles did it once. Why can't they do it again? And uh, I, I think you're right. The miscalculation the first time was that Carson Wentz couldn't handle the competition. I, I you know. But there was no competition. I know. Well, that's the <laughs> funny part. They said this guy's yeah. your backup. This yeah. guy, we don't think he can but start You can't right control. Away. Look, I just said, and I get myself in trouble by doing this, Marcus. I just said Patrick Mahomes is a generational talent, is the best player in football. But I also said on one particular Sunday in Glendale, Arizona, I thought Jalen Hurts played better. That's essentially what I said. You got a commenter said, John's the only one in the world that said that thinks Jalen Hurts is better than Patrick Mahomes. I literally said the opposite thing. You can't control other people's filters, their thought processes, their craziness. And they you say something and they hear something different. Carson Wentz heard it, but he felt something different. Um, Jalen Hurts isn't that guy. And and I agree with you, by the way, from the health standpoint. Look, I mean, the guy plays the game a certain way. You can't take that away because if you take that away, he's not the same player. So the shelf life is probably going to be smaller. Um, and they do have to protect themselves on the back end. But I have confidence in Howie Roseman, Jake Rosenberg, and Jeffrey Lurie, by the way. He already proved with Carson Wentz. Look. If we got to move on, we're going to move on. And and other ownerships that make excuses that this is too much money, they're just making excuses. Um, long term, this organization, do you think they're set up? You know, back in Doug's day, we said they came up with the phrase, the new normal. This is going to be the way it is. Here they are again. It, it didn't work the first time. But they have a lot of questions. Do you think this organization is, is is set up for sustained success or is this another sort of shooting star? Well, the big difference between that team in 2017 and this team 
is I believe that they have certainly more character at quarterback, but also they have sort of been preparing to change the guard. And a lot of that guard that they're changing is the reason they went both times. So if they had great, I, I, I think two, like maybe like a month and a half ago, I wrote a column saying they are set up for sustained success. They should see the 49ers in the NFC championship game several times, because if you look around the league, no two teams are set up better than those two teams. But at the time, I assumed they would be returning their coordinators, at least for this, this coming season. And uh, I knew Jonathan Gannon wasn't interested in going to Houston, which to me is a big deal. I'm less convinced that they're set up for sustained success now than I was three weeks ago because they are losing a defensive coordinator who integrated, I think, seven new pieces this year and is losing a defense that's losing eight pieces. So I'd give it like a – I'd give them a B or a, I'd say the likelihood is of that is like a seven versus an A or a nine three weeks ago because they're losing both coordinators. And, um, you know, they were undressed to a degree by the number one coach and the number one quarterback and a better offensive line than I thought. But really, outside of Travis Kelsey, kind of mediocre talent on the Chiefs uh, Chiefs offense. So maybe this defense wasn't quite as good as I thought. But then again, we've seen, you know, Tom Brady make horrible offenses look spectacular because he's Tom Brady. So, right, Mark. yeah, Mark. I think they're set up but not as well as I thought. Uh, John gave me his thoughts on this. I need yours. Gannon leaving, Steichen leaving. Now two openings on Eagles staff. We know who the internal candidates are. The, the coach did say when you guys put uh, him to the fire a couple of weeks ago, when the names were floating out there as interview possibilities, uh, that he knows what's going on and around the league and is always keeping an eye on other teams' coaching staff. So they got to fill the void, and we'll uh, see who they fill it with. More likely, both guys on staff now, if they're going to go outside, which of the sides of, of the ball do you think is more likely? What do you think uh, the Eagles' new coaching additions are going to be and or promotions over the next two weeks? Well, what Nick did very well is and I when I, I I heard the end of the last segment, John was talking about they have several candidates to become offensive coordinator because Nick stockpiled a lot of guys and included a lot of guys in the process weekly to, to step into that role. The problem is losing both of their coordinators, those guys might poach those lower level coaches as well. I mean, I think Brian Johnson becomes the offensive coordinator. He's you know, you, you want to keep the quarterback happy, you keep his favorite, you keep his pet coach happy. Um, but that means you're probably going to lose Kevin Petullo to either Shane Steichen, but more likely Shane Steichen than Jonathan Gannon. But, you know, let's not underestimate the possibility of losing Denard Wilson to Jonathan Gannon. I mean, the, the defensive backs were spectacular here this year. They played really, really well. Yeah. Um, integrating <laughs> C.J. Gardner-Johnson and getting the most out of Marcus Epps, that's Denard Wilson. I mean, Jonathan Gannon's a first-time head coach. He was a defensive backs coach two years ago. I mean, the, his his rise has been spectacular. And there's no reason he can't overpay Denard Wilson to come with him. So to answer your question, Jody, I mean, it sort of depends how these three staffs are comprised and who's willing to pay the most. Because 
Indianapolis has a really good defense, and Arizona has a chance to win. These are not bad places to be. Neither of those places are bad places to be. So we're talking about instead of sort of the silo we live in, there's going to be like a diaspora of like candidates and coach and and, uh, possibilities. And I don't know of a coach on the defensive side that's prop that, that that they would be that Jeffrey Lurie and Harry Roseman would be comfortable with other than Denard Wilson and without Petulo or Johnson. And and here comes, here's the other issue. Jalen Hurts has advanced more in the last 20, 25 games than I've ever seen a quarterback advance. Does Brian Johnson have to sort of continue to do that? And is the offensive coordinator job spread over? Or does Nick just take it back over? That's the other thing we're not talking about. Nick Sirianni was the offensive coordinator and play caller for the first seven games of his his, uh, experience as a head coach. I think that's the most likely thing to happen. You'll have an offensive coordinator in name who's responsible for a position as well, but Nick Sirianni is going to be the guy running the show. That's that's every coach's fantasy. Every coach's offensive coach's fantasy is to be, you know, what Andy Reid or Sean McVay were. Yeah. Yeah, and and Nick has said that. Uh, Inquirer.com, Marcus Hayes, uh, listen to him, Sports Radio WIP. uh, At Ink Stained Wretch, Marcus Nick is on record saying, you know, if Shane leaves, yeah, I might take play calling back. Does that complicate? We all say, you know, Brian Johnson's going to be the offensive coordinator because, as you correctly pointed out, uh, Jalen Hurts wants that. Now Jalen Hurts is going to be a $50 million player, so you want to make that guy happy. But if you're Brian Johnson and you have a chance to go call plays somewhere else versus stay here and be that coordinator who doesn't call plays, you might go somewhere else. Well, yeah, but, I mean, I don't think Shane Steichen's not going to call his own plays either. No, but you know, Carolina so- was looking at uh, – uh, at, at, at Brian Johnson, maybe Frank Reich says, I want to be a CEO coach. We don't know. Uh, yeah. Jonathan Gannon, I think he's going to hire one of his old coaching buddies from Minnesota. That's what I heard behind the scenes. But if he's got an opportunity at Brian Johnson, maybe he changes his mind. Maybe he lets him call plays. You know he's calling plays there with yeah. a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. That could complicate things if Absolutely. Nick wants to take back, back play yeah. calling. Or, or simplify them. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and maybe that's the best option for this team. You know, we're, we're, we're not we don't we're not really interested in what happens in Carolina or Arizona or Indianapolis. You know, the, if the topic is what's best for the Eagles, maybe the best thing for the Eagles is, you know, Nick Sirianni retaking that role. Problem is he's going to have another a, a new defensive coordinator. And that's why that's one of the reasons he stepped back from play calling in the middle of 2021 because Jonathan Dan- Gannon didn't get off to a great start and the defense got much better when Nick, Nick Sirianni became involved in sort of the, as a, as an umbrella head coach. All right, Mark, it's last one for me and I'm going to go easy on you. Multiple choice to end it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which of these three potential scenarios lend itself most to a fight at the 50 yard line before the game starts? <laughs> Brandon Ayuk versus a Eagles defender, Juju Smith-Schuster versus an Eagles defender, or Jonathan Gannon 
versus an Eagle fan coming out of the stands before the game starts. If there are going to be punches thrown at the 50 before the game gets underway, which of those three already scheduled matchups, we know they're happening, do you think ends up in a fisticuff show at midfield before an Eagle game next year? Well, you know, if I have to make a choice, it'd probably be Brandon Ayuk because uh, I think he's a little unhinged. But the Gannon versus <laughs> Gannon versus fan would be the one I'd pay to see. Ah, he would he would he would up and gut that fan. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a blowout. That one. Yeah, Jonathan talks tough, but he's not really that big a guy. It depends on how big a never, fan comes out of the stands. Yeah, uh, neither, neither I, was I, I need to give you more details on to describe that potential. Yeah. Hey, neither was Bruce Lee. Yeah, very JG's true. jacked, man. He can't tell. He's jacked. He used to play. Yeah. Marcus, great stuff. We always appreciate it when you come on. Again, uh, if you didn't read it, and maybe you didn't because you were just so forlorn with the <laughs> outcome of the game on Sunday, go back and check out Marcus's column after the Super Bowl. It's tremendous. And he was very good with us here today. Marcus, thank you much. Appreciate it. We're getting you on playing during the offseason. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Mark. That is Marcus Hayes of the Philadelphia Inquirer here with us on Birds 365. Now, uh, I I think I kissed Marcus has took us enough. I disagree with a couple things that he said. Just go get another Jalen Hurts in the draft. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's uh, easier said than done. I you and, know, and and I'll go more specific because I've already started doing my work on evaluating the guys in the draft this year. It's not happening. If you don't have the first or second pick, you're not getting another uh, Jalen Hurts. And, and even those two guys are reaches because Jalen's already proven. So that's a nice theory. I don't think it's based in much reality. And what was the other thing that Marcus said that I, I was uh, kind of surprised by? If, uh, I forgot. I'll, anyway, I'll think- well, I, you know, because I've expelled this theory because um, it's gotten so expensive at the quarterback position, and we see it. It's so hard to build your roster when you have to pay the quarterback. So I've, I've said, you know, maybe teams will go to the college sort of mentality. you got to reload every four years. But, you know, look at Jalen Hurts. It's worked out perfectly, but it took three years. It takes – these guys got to develop, number one, even if you get the first pick in the draft. Look at Trevor Lawrence, who's, you know – trending in the right direction now that he's under Doug Peterson. But we're going to be in year three. It takes a while, even for the most talented prospects. So while it sounds good on paper, you know, keep rotating, keep rotating, keep it. Can't. If you got a quarterback, you got to pay him, you got to keep him, and you got to figure out things in other areas. The, the position is too important. You're not the first to espouse that theory, and I've certainly talked about it on the air. The Los Angeles Rams went out and got Matthew Stafford, who's taken a down a big percentage of their salary cap. They didn't care, gave up what it took to got him, brought him in. They won a Super Bowl. Patrick Holmes only makes $45 million a year, that big percentage of the cap. The Kansas City Chiefs figured out a way to build the team around him and still win a Super Bowl. So that theory hasn't held water. That oh, no, you take it, your it, run no. and then you gotta restart it. No, you gotta restart no. the engine and take a step backwards and take two forwards, or except the last two teams that won the Super Bowl did so with a very expensive. By the way, I have to get this off my chest. Did you hear me say Jalen Hurts is better than Patrick Mahomes? No. You said I, what I, I, I you I, said I, what I said here on Monday. We no. we agree. Same thing. The better quarterback on the field on Sunday. 
throughout the 60 minutes of the game, I believe was Jalen Hurts. You yes. believe was Jalen Hurts. Yes. Neither one of us said Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes got the track record that he has and is in the conversation. The only one who's in the conversation to potentially catch Brady as the best of all time. Nobody's saying that about Jalen Hurts just yet, but on Sunday you can say he was better on Sunday yeah. I did too I, I I I thought it was going crazy I don't know what these people hear sometimes I mean it's unbelievable that's my own fault for paying attention but um I yeah I mean if you're not gonna listen I mean you, uh, I, uh, it's just frustrating frustrating hey, at times. right uh the people on the stream sometimes hear something that you didn't say or mistake something they said i know exactly what you said because i agreed with it i thought hurts was the best quarterback sunday if you just break down the film from the 60 minutes of both quarterbacks after the game is over and done with who do i think had the better game fumble included i think jalen hurts did the chiefs were better than the eagles that's why the chiefs have the lombardi trophy and why they're going to get championship rings their team, including their coaching staff, and they won the coaching matchup, were better, and that's why they're champs. But yeah. if you're just by the way, your comparison of the quarterbacks, I'm with you, John. I think Hertz was better than um, I, I did because I want that. I always like to go to, to PFF afterwards. They don't put the grades up until Monday um, after the game. I didn't even get to them until yesterday. You know, but I always like to see, you know, does the film match up with what I saw? Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Patrick Mahomes was, uh, he got an 89.5, which is a phenomenal grade. Um, and he was tremendous. Um, and Jalen Hurts got a 92.2. So the film said it as well. You, me, and PFF also at the same way for Sunday's performance at the quarterback position. He's John, Mc, he's John McMullen. I'm Jordan McDonald. Quickie timeout, come back. Uh, got a couple more things to hit on. I do have a draft question. I know. We got months before the draft, but I already got a draft question from McMullen. And uh, don't forget, Mike Gill, our buddy from down the shore, 97.3, the Sports Pass ESPN Radio, is going to jump in. In his usual Wednesday, Wednesday spot, he'll join us in about 18 minutes from now. So stay right here. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done
Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi, I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. My name is uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Guys, here on Birds 365, we're going to stick around for another 50-some-odd minutes. Uh, Mike Gill's going to join us coming up in less than 15 minutes, uh, and we'll talk to MG next. Um, I remember the other thing I wanted to ask uh, or uh, didn't necessarily agree with Marcus Hayes about, and that's Jalen Hurts and the Eagles will be perfectly fine if they don't uh, get a contract extension done this offseason. We all just flat out love Jalen Hurts and his attitude and the way that he goes about uh, doing his business and the leadership that he shows with his football team. Um, But unsigned on the last year of your rookie deal is a little bit different. And I'm not questioning Jalen's character a little bit. I'm just questioning human nature. I think we saw that this year with Lamar Jackson. I think he played a different game on the last year of his contract than he had on the previous years of his deal. It's just human nature that on the RPO, you're playing for what's Jalen scheduled to make next year, about 2 million bucks. If he doesn't get an extension. Yeah. I think it's a little bit more. I think it spikes a little bit, but not a lot. I'll look it up real quick. You want to put him up in a comparison with, with what the other quarterbacks around the league are making his level of play is compared to what his salary is compared to the other quarterbacks in the league. It will be just flat out ugly how underpaid he is. You got that RPO read and you go, well, I can hand it off or I can keep it myself. 
and or that Bears linebacker who's the same speed, same size who came down on him during a game this year. Oh, that could happen again, and I could miss games. You know full well that Jalen Hurts lost the MVP as soon as he went down against the Bears that, yeah. that game. So it cost him an MVP, maybe maybe, maybe not cost him some money. But he don't want to go down that road again. So let me not pull the ball back. Let me just leave it in the running back's belly because, yeah, I don't really want to take another hit. That's not me questioning Jalen Hurts. That's just common sense. That's human nature. He might not even think. It might be Freudian in the back of his head. Let me give it to the running back. I, yeah. I, I don't really want to put myself at risk here. You start down that road, John, it could be a, a slippery one for the Philadelphia Eagles next year. Yeah, it spikes to a massive $4.3 million. Ooh, so, hey, um, he's, he's swimming in yeah. it next year. So a little bit uh, a little bit better on the last year of his year. But uh, obviously, yeah, look, the Eagles are going to sign him to an extension. I mean, um, the only problem is, you know, from a Lamar standpoint, you know, is it going to be like, are, are you trying to soak every penny out of the Eagles and, and you want to bet on yourself because you know you're going to do that? I don't think he's going to go down that route. Um, I think he's going to be somewhere in between. You mentioned the Deshaun Watson contract. Everybody does, and understandably so. Every penny of that is guaranteed. So if everybody's looking for that deal, well, there's going to be some complications because nobody wants to do that. And that's why teams around the league were angry at Cleveland. Um, not go get the player, but, you know, and from Cleveland's standpoint, they'll say, well, we had to do that to get the player. Right. Um, and, and they had to pay the certain tax. Um, I called it the Jacksonville tax when they overplay, uh, overpay players. Um, and now that Jacksonville's getting good, you don't have to do it. Um, but when you're in a certain position, you have to go to certain levels. I think Jalen Hurts is open-minded enough to not go down that route, but that's the only way I think there's going to be any acrimony. I really do. I don't think it's going to be that difficult. Um, Here's the Eagles the... know his value. He knows his value. I think it's going to get done. And I agree with you. We're on the same page with the entire league now they better be careful on it because if not they're going to get slapped with a collusion lawsuit if cincinnati and the eagles and the chargers all try and hold the line on the guaranteed money thing because they don't want to do what the uh cleveland browns did just just handle your p's and q's and make sure you say what you say for public consumption uh in a way that doesn't get you in trouble nfl teams because you could get caught up yeah. in that if we put deshaun watson to the side which if I'm the agent for Jalen Hurts, I'm not doing that, but I just for conversational purposes, let's put the Sean Watson to the side. Kyler Murray. Yeah, he's the guy I love. Five at. years, 230 million, 189 of it guaranteed. Are you telling me that Kyler Murray's better than Jalen Hurts right now? You can't. No, the only no. thing Kyler Murray's got going for me, he's been around a little bit longer. He's been a starter a little bit longer. As far as production goes, they're in two different neighborhoods. So if Jalen Hurts' agent starts there, said we're starting there and going up, how do you, if you're Howie Roseman, how do you go? Well, we can't really do that. You damn well better if you want to keep the player because he's absolutely better than Kyler Murray right now. And Murray got the contract that he got. And 
If you don't think that the contracts are comparable and compared to each other, and that's the way the NFL works, then you haven't been paying a good enough attention. Well, that and, and that's where I disagreed uh, with Marcus was his uh, his guaranteed money. Like the guaranteed money is going to be what? What did you say with Kyler? That's the one hundred eighty nine out of two hundred and thirty. So it starts at one ninety. You know, a guaranteed, fully guaranteed money. Um, I will say people have started to crap on Kyler too much. He had three really good seasons, really good seasons, uh, and then he kind of fell off. So he deserved that contract. I mean. Look, last year he had a bad year. The Cardinals had a bad year. Um, and I, I think he'll bounce back. And I think Gannon's in a good situation from that perspective. He's going to have a quarterback who could play. Now he's got to find out. He's got to get the right offensive mind. He's got to reach him. We all heard that contract stipulation about, you know, certainly indicated he doesn't work hard enough, study hard enough. You know, he's got to figure all that out. But that guy's got talent, Kyler Murray. Um, and he had some big seasons. Um, you know, rookie of the year. It, uh, I'm, I'm looking up real quick. Yeah, 3,700, 3,900, 3,800, plus all the rushing yards. Yeah, he, he, people are crapping on him too much. They are. Yeah, but again, the only the only comparison I'm making is he and Jalen Hurts. The season that Jalen Hurts had, and it's only oh, no, one. Yeah, You're right, much, it's one. Yeah. Jalen Hurts had one. Kyler Murray had three. Uh, if you compare Kyler Murray's three season to Jalen's season, not this past year, but the year before, Kyler Murray's better. Yeah. But if you compare what Jalen did this year to any of the three seasons that Kyler Murray had, Jalen's on top. So oh, yeah. what are you paying for? Three years of very good or one year for, uh, for uh, borderline MVP? Well, you got to pay Murray for both. Kyler Murray hasn't gotten any MVP votes yet. I can pretty much assure you that. Um, you got to pay for both. I mean, Kyler wasn't overpaid is what I'm trying to say. So that's that's the point. That's the cost of doing business at that position. When somebody puts up the numbers he put up, forget about having a season like Jalen, got to pay i mean that's just that's part of it and they had to do it and they did it and now jonathan gannon has to figure it out yeah and uh, i'm not as big kyler murray fan as you are um i didn't necessarily believe he should have been the first overall pick in the draft when he was he's a very good quarterback he's not a great quarterback jalen hurts i think has already been great jalen hurts had a great year Kyler Murray's had three very good years out of four in his NFL career. Um, so if he's if he deserved what he deserves, then Jalen Hurts deserves more. And if you're telling me the Eagles are going to shell out more than three two hundred and thirty and uh, almost eighty percent of it guaranteed, I hope they do. But yeah. they haven't. Even with Carson Wentz, they didn't go that far down the road. Uh, I hope now here, here's something tone brings up and I'll, 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 I'll throw this at you. Is, is it possible that Hertz could get a three, four year deal at market rate? Um, that's what tone said. Marcus mentioned the injury history. Oh yeah. I'm sure the Eagles. No, that, that he's not going to accept. No, no way. Why would you? 
Five is the minimum. If yeah. Kyler Murray, who also is a running quarterback, puts himself at risk, got five years from the Arizona Cardinals, why should Jalen Hurts settle for yeah. a day less yeah. than five years from the Eagles? I mean, you're that that look, you're gambling with this type of quarterback. There's no question about it. And and you know, you know, but you got to do it. I mean, there's no. I mean, no, he's not going to take two years. I've heard other people say that and say, oh, sign him for two years. Yeah. And no, no, no chance. That work like that. You know? not, a, not a prayer in hell that uh, Jalen Hurts has to settle no. for a two or three year deal. None. Zero. I think uh, our buddy in the afternoon, Dan Cilio, said they should be rushing to him with a three year, $120 yeah. million dollar contract. Yeah, no kidding. And Jalen laughs yeah. as they rush to his yeah. side and say, "He doesn't have the dumbest this. agent in the history of the world." I, 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 I don't know where these people get ideas. I'm not making tone, but other people say two, three years. Yeah, that's insanity. No, and I know obviously I, it's not. I know it. you and I have both said this before. I've said it uh, on WIP and other places as well. I hate the phrase. It's it's an applicable phrase, but I hate it in this situation. Jalen Hurts should give the Eagles a hometown no, discount. No, no contract. he shouldn't. No. This is his first no. time to step up and get the big bucks. He is absolutely within, within his rights to ask for every penny that he's earned. No discount necessary. Now he finishes out and has great, yeah, and a Super Bowl and maybe even an MVP. That next contract, he could do a Tom Brady-like thing and go, yeah, you know, I, I made a lot of money already. Let me take a little less so they can get me another wide receiver. But, oh, that could happen on his third contract. Yeah. Not his second contract. Not the first time. As a second-round pick, John just told you, he's stepping way up. He's doubling, tripling what he's making next year to $4 million. When backup quarterbacks around the league are getting more than $4 million. No, yeah. he is well within his rights to ask for every dollar every year they can get his hands on. So please don't utter the phrase hometown discount when it comes to Jalen Hurts. Nope, not on second uh, contracts. Never, ever, ever, ever um, is anybody giving you a break, a hometown discount. I'll give you the one that could be. I'm kind of rooting for it, but I don't think it's going to happen, but it could be James Bradbury. He's yeah. on his third contract. Yeah. He got paid. The, the giants paid him a lot of money to get him away from Carolina. Um, he he's on a third deal. If there's a bad team that wants to give him an extra year and an extra couple of million dollars per year, and Eagles put forth a, a really competitive uh, market value, two-year deal and some bad team is offering him three could he go yeah you know i could take a couple less million dollars to stay with philadelphia because i like it there and it's a good team and i like the teammates i like the coaching staff that could happen bradbury could happen i'm not telling you it will but i'm just telling you it's a possibility not happening yeah, it, it, james has been very honest about this and james talked again and i wasn't there because i was traveling but he talked again about it yesterday, clean out day. Um, no, he's taking the money. Now, the only thing that changes that is if his market value isn't as much as we think it is. Right. Um, now, if other teams say, you know what, we don't play as much zone as they do, not a fit here, and everybody gets together and says, oh, 
he's not worth this, then I could see your scenario you laid out. He has said consistently, consistently, I love playing here, but this is my last chance to make a lot of money. He's going to, and, and he's earned it by the way. And I think there are going to be teams out there that give him three years and a lot of money. And he has been very honest. He's, he's going to take the best financial deal. And the only way that changes if that deal doesn't exist. And I could see a little path to that because I do think part of his success and the reason why I don't agree with people that say Bradbury is better than Slay might have had a better season, might have been better in this environment, but Slay's asked to do more. And, you know, people around the league know that. They understand that. They understand there's a difference between a corner who's a great press corner and a corner who's a, a great off-ball corner who's a great zone corner like like Bradbury. And they generally pay the press corners. So I could see a small path to it. But if he gets a big deal, he's taking the big deal. It's not going to be. All right. Let me let me lay it out for you. We're hoping uh, Michael jumps in with us here in a couple of minutes. Two years, 24 million, 12 million per from the Eagles. Or three years, 39 million from Jonathan Gannon and the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, he's going to Arizona. He's going to Arizona. What's first of all, what's he going to win all, in Arizona with? First Gannon? of all, that when you have that kind of deal, you're going to have much more guaranteed money with the extra year, fully guaranteed. Second of all, he knows Gannon's going to use him correctly. He just got out of it. Uh, just got out of the guy who gave him a career season. Um, so, I mean, that would be the perfect scenario for James Bradbury. And by the way, I think there's a really good chance that James Bradbury ends up in Arizona. Yeah. In fact, what, if I bet that's on That's why it, I went there, yeah, Johnny Mac. I, I mean, if I bet on it, that's where I think he's going to play next year. I mean, he loves Gannon. Yeah. Uh, and he knows he's going to be used correctly. So, yeah. But I think that's and, a no-brainer. And you like Jonathan. I like Jonathan. I think he's in a no-win situation out there in Arizona. I think he, when when you're offered the gig, you take the gig. He's going to have a tough time turning that program around. But James, yeah, Bradbury, I'm not a fan of the ownership out there. Exactly. James, James Bradbury would help, though. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Coming back, we got our buddy from down the shore from 97.3, the Sports Bash on ESPN Radio. Mike Gill's going to jump in with us next here on Birch 365. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth, born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. 
And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365. Where are all you Mike Gill fans? Hit that like button. We got a couple comments on the side. Gill is great. Gill spitting facts. Well, then hit the like button. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll ride Mike Gill's coattails here on Birds 365. All right, Mikey, I sucked up to you well enough. How you doing after that Super Bowl loss? You know, um, I've moved on to the Phillies already. See, I got my Philly shirt on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see you did too, Jody. Pitchers and catchers tomorrow, man. Uh, I'm a baseball NFL, NFL Network. It, it may be. Oh, I got the Phillies out on. Yeah. You're right. Thank you. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. Pitchers and catchers. Yeah. Filled up. Pitchers the and catchers tomorrow. Man, I'm a baseball <laughs> guy at heart. You know, I've already got my, my spring training trip planned. But uh, no, I mean. Listen, I think um, I thought Philadelphia was going to win the game, and I didn't think it would be particularly close. And quite frankly, I had 35-21. The Eagles scored 35, but they didn't end up hold up their end of the bargain. Now, their defense only really gave up about 24, so I was pretty close. But the things you can't account for, something that didn't happen all season long, a turnover. I mean, they didn't yeah. turn the ball over all year. Whenever they did, they lost, and they turned – the ball over from the guy who probably had the best game of anybody on the field, but that turnover changed the complexion of the whole game. Yeah, but let me – and I went down this road last night. Yeah, but after he turned it over, they scored the next 10 points, and they walked in the halftime with a 10-point lead. So that, to me, diminishes the, uh, the the magnitude of the turnover. You had a 10-point lead at half. Come out get a stop to start the second half. Put the Jalen fumble in your rearview mirror. You win the game. Defense couldn't do that. 
Yeah. I but by the I, way, hey, listen, the defense doesn't get up. The defense no. doesn't get absolved here, but the difference really is, Jody, and you're right. The, the point is they fumble that ball. It's third and one. They're at the 50 or 30, 47, somewhere around midfield. If they go down and score, it's now 21 to seven. They got to stop on the next possession, and then they scored again. Now you're up 24 to seven at half. Your defense has a lot more room for error against the best coach and best quarterback in this league right now. Yeah, I mean, you and I talk about it all the time, Mike. I mean, it, it, I, I thought it was interesting. I, I told Jody, I, I'd like to look at the, the PFF grades after. Like, my my thought after watching the game was um, the difference was what you mentioned. The Eagles typically get a play or two from the defense, whether it's a turnover, sack, you know, big big loss at a key situation. Maybe it's a son Reddick strip sack. They didn't get that. If I, if, if I came, if I told you before the game, um, what, what did uh, Patrick Mahomes threw for 188 yards that the Eagles gave up 340 total yards of offense to the mighty Kansas city chiefs. If I told you that before the game, would you have taken that? And everybody's like, oh, this defense is terrible. This defense is terrible. Now, look, in the second half, you got to get a stop. There's got to be a sack. There's got to be something. The difference between the Eagles in Super Bowl 52 and the Eagles in Super Bowl 57, the defense made a play in 52. It didn't in 57. Yeah, and all year for 20 weeks, you know, this defense is predicated on if you're going to get long drives, 9, 10, 11, 12 play drives, somewhere in that drive, you're going to make a mistake. And you're not going to be able to get 9, 10, 11, 12 play drives multiple times. And you might get one, and, and it might be early in the game. You get a nine-play drive to start the first quarter off and you score. But after that, you got to go on long drives without making a mistake to beat this team. Well, the Chiefs made no mistakes, essentially, in this in that second half. Look, the Eagles, I just went back and watched the tape again before I came on with you guys. They had a miscommunication in the secondary between Maddox and Slay. That seems pretty obvious. Yeah. They both went rocking yeah. and rolling to the same direction. Yeah. So did they call the right defense or did the players miscommunicate? They ran a zero blitz. When the hell do you see them zero blitz yeah. on the goal line? And Maddox thought he was a part of the blitz, which he wasn't. And then his area is vacated wide open. So Gannon, almost what you can accuse him of was, why did you try to do something in this game that you hadn't yes. done all year? Yes. The adjustments, people, have driven me crazy, Mike Gill, since the Super Bowl ended. You got to make adjustments. You got to make adjustments. Ironically, he did what he typically doesn't do. Right. And the adjustments yeah. didn't work uh, ultimately at the end of the day. But you bring up miscommunication. Miscommunication, execution is not adjustments. Uh, you know, people look at those, those wide open touchdowns. They were both miscommunication. Jody, you and I have been talking about this all year. When you play the Fangio defense, 
you better stinking communicate in oh, the back God. end. Well, listen, because John and Jody, one of the things yeah. with, with Minnesota runs the same defense. Why oh, were they? Yeah. They can't communicate. You see them yep. constantly miscommunication in that blown Minnesota coverage secondary. After blown coverage. And you see it, and guys are running wide open. And I talked about it all year. If you don't communicate, it's going to look bad. And on the biggest stage, they didn't communicate, and it looked bad. That's not, oh, they don't have a defensive coordinator that makes adjustments. Every defensive coordinator in the NFL makes adjustments. Every single one. You're not looking for a guy who makes adjustments. I put on Twitter, I joked, sources say Nick Sirianni's looking for a defensive coordinator that makes adjustments. People thought I was being serious, Mike. I, 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 at some point, I can't help people anymore. It's driving me. Crazy. Well, listen. Yeah, and and in, in this particular game, you know, they give up seven points in the first half. The defense, you know, and the funny part is, you didn't make adjustments in the second half. Well, they gave up seven points in the first half. I might have been doing something right, you know, yeah, that I would have tried to keep doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, I gave up seven points again. I hate to belabor this point, but it has to be brought up. That field was an absolute atrocity, and uh, I think it, it was. was a huge yeah. factor in this game. It, it's a shame. But even the call, people want to talk about the call and the adjustments and this. That field, I never saw somebody after the game, Jody, a guy tweeted out the slip stats. Yeah. The Eagles slipped on 33% of the plays, and Kansas City slipped on, like, 19%. 19%. Now, why Kansas City slipped less, I don't know. But who the hell is tallying slippage on the field in the Super Bowl? And analytics wonk, and God bless him, and thanks for it so we can add it into our analysis of the game. The only way I think the Eagles were affected more was Reddick. Yeah. Reddick is a speed Killed guy Reddick. who Killed lives him. with going around the outside, and he went down a couple times. Um, that's the only place where I'm going to go. Away. Well, yeah, yeah. Both teams had to play in the same lousy field, and both were negatively affected. Maybe the Eagles slightly more just because. Well, of what I'll Reddick. tell you this. A- any other analytical stats? Sorry, I'm not buying. There is a guy on Twitter. These guys are amazing. I don't know what they do all day. But he has a video, and he highlights the players. He literally highlights the player that you could watch slip. I mean, Josh Sweat must have ran circles around Orlando Brown four or five times, and his feet just go flying out from under him. Even Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson is blocking his guy, and his two feet zip right out from under him, like lineman's feet. Isaiah Pacheco, let's turn it to the other side. Pacheco's running up the middle. He's got a huge hole, slips, falls, fright strong. Same with McKinnon, had a huge hole, and he slips forward. I mean, it was defecting both teams, but I think the difference for the Eagles is they predicate on getting pass rush from their outside speed rushers. Kansas City is more getting pocket pressure up the middle where they don't have that burst and that speed that the Eagles are using. That's probably why the Eagles were slipping more, but that's a big that's a big part of their defense. They sacked the quarterback 70-plus times this year, and they got Zippo. They only pressured him 11 yeah. times in the game. I think that has to have a correlation. Well, and Patrick Mahomes is getting out the ball really, really quickly. 2.2 seconds in the second half, another analytical stat. So the Eagles, uh, Chiefs, 
no surprise. I mean, Andy Reid was well aware, uh, and he put together a game plan where the ball was coming out early. But that's another thing. Patrick Mahomes, longest uh, pass play of the game, 22 yards. If I told you all these things, you'd say, oh, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. The Eagles won the Super Bowl. And yet the narrative is the defense was terrible because they were terrible in the second half. They did not get a stop. It's interesting how one sort of the inability to make that one play in the second half essentially cost you the game because all you would have to do is stop one of those drives and they couldn't do it. It's as simple as that. Well, and if you guys remember the last time I was on with you, I think it was the last time I had brought up the stat that Mahomes has 40 touchdowns. 30 of them are 10 yards or less. This is what they kind of did because they don't have that yeah. big play they guy. They don't have the yeah. guy that can go down the field. But the Eagles, like their philosophy is you're not going to beat us down the field. So you had this kind of, you know, weird, we don't want to go down the field. Well, we're not going to let you go down the field. And you end up having them do what they want to do, just nickel and dime their way down the field so that they get into the red zone where they feel most comfortable because they have the best player on the field at that time. So the Eagles' philosophy almost plays into what the Chiefs want to do. We don't want to take shots down the field, but we're very good at working our way down the field. And most teams are not good at working their way down the field. Why? They give up a sack. They fumble. They go off sides. They get a penalty. Something happens in the middle of that drive that impedes them and pushes them backwards, and then they have to settle for three. Well, they're not getting three. They're getting seven because they are converting every time. But I did see this stat last night, uh, which uh, I think lends itself to the misnomer that, oh, they give up Tyreek Hill. They don't make big plays. The Kansas Chiefs had more 25-yard-plus plays than anybody in the National Football League this year. They might not have been touchdowns. They might have been setting up touchdowns. But it isn't like they are uh, everything to the running back screen game, wide receiver screens. That t- No, no. Mahomes still throws the ball downfield. A lot of times to Kelsey, but uh, Juju right. Smith-Schuster, when he's not being held on Valentine's Day, only hold when it's important. Um they did make a lot of plays downfield this year. They led the league in 25-yard plays. So it wasn't well, I, I think a lot of I think a lot of those big plays down the field, 25, is because Kelsey catches the ball in space and he's so good after the run, he'll catch the ball at like 17 yards and end up getting an extra eight yards after the catch. Because let's be honest, that guy, how do you always get so open? It's Andy Reid, baby. He's always open. Uh, Kelsey's always open, not to mention. You see what happens. The Eagles cover. The Eagles cover. They get some pressure. Mahomes steps right through it and runs for 26 yards. So that was a huge play in the game. The fact that he yeah. was able to step uh, through that. By the way, play. That, that play, I was just looking it up because you guys brought up explosive plays. The Eagles had the three longest plays in the game. 45-yard mm-hmm. touchdown to A.J., 45-yard uh, pass to Devontae Smith that set up the what was essentially the tying touchdown. Uh, 28-yard Jalen Hurts scramble. The longest play of the game for Kansas City was that 26-yarder you were just talking about, uh, Mike. 24-yard Pacheco run was number two. 22-yard Patrick Mahomes pass over the middle to Kelsey, and it was a short pass, as you mentioned, and most of it was Travis Kelsey. Um, Everything statistically. And this is why football is not a statistical game. Everything statistically pointed toward Eagles winning that football game. 
they didn't win the game because they didn't make the big plays. Kansas City made the big plays. Kansas City deserves credit for it. But I do think people are overstating how poorly the Eagles played. I think they outplayed Kansas City. I said it. That was my thought at the end of the game. I went to Pro Football Focus. Sure enough, they said they had better film grades uh, than Kansas City. The difference between Philadelphia winning, as they did mainly this season, and losing was the inability to make the big play defensively. Well, that, Just won. that John and that John and the same thing. What they don't do, they fumbled, which turned into seven. We talked about it a lot because there wasn't a lot to talk about. It didn't hurt them, but their special teams, that punt return and the punt. That punt goes to the wrong direction. Yeah. The gunners are going, thinking the ball's going to the left. The punt shanks to the right. The wall's now set, and they take that down to the five-yard line. Should Sipos have even been kicking in that game? He hadn't kicked a football since the Chicago game. You put him in the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's one. a fair point. Yeah. He, he but, shanks but one. And I think another play game. game. Giants game. Yeah. Uh, Giants, Giants game. game. Sorry. December, December 11th, yeah. Um, so before the, the bear game, before the bear, yeah, the bear game yeah, was on the right. 18th. That's when, that's when Hurts got, Hurts got hurt in the bears game. I apologize. Yeah. Um, the other play of the game that kills me guys, second and 11, they're going to get a delay of the game and they end up calling timeout. They burn a timeout for no reason. I, I hate that. The timeout is more important than five yards. They end up kicking a field goal. Not anyway. Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> Right. They end up kicking a field goal anyway from 33 yards out. If you just take the five-yard loss, the worst-case scenario is you're kicking a 38-yard field goal. And the play out of the timeout, it's like an NBA team taking a timeout and then turning the ball over. The play out of the timeout, they get a five-yard pass the game out. Now, I don't know that that's what they wanted, but that's what they got. They played, essentially, to kick a field goal. And A.J. Brown said it yesterday. He thought the game changed when they settled for a field goal there. No need for them to call timeout. You take the five-yard loss and you run a play from second down and uh, 15 instead or or 16 instead of second and 11. And then when the game was late, guys, what were they missing in the end because of a slide and then a kneel down? Oh, a timeout would have helped in that situation. Yeah. All right, Mike Gill, I want to run two names by you and ask you, did they seal their fate as Philadelphia Eagles going forward because of lackluster or a major mistake in the Super Bowl? Miles Sanders, bad first play, hurts his hand, overall bad game, Eagles and how they evaluate running backs. Good luck, Miles. And maybe Isaac Sayamalu because – Maybe we were just talking about key games and AJ Brown and what he said. I go back to that Isaac Sayamalo penalty on a third and one where they're guaranteed to get a first down because they got Jalen Hurts on a quarterback sneak is yeah. the percentage wise best weapon in the NFL. Who now it's third and six. Who now Jalen is trying to scramble and make a play and he drops the ball going hand to hand and here we go in the other direction. Isaac and Miles both had tough Super Bowl days. Can I throw in real quick, Jody, Quez Watkins? Because him not making that catch down the field. um, You think they'll cut Quez? He's got a year to go on his contract. I don't think they'll cut him because he doesn't make any money. That that was the point I made. Will they not be back in an equal But they need – Quez oh, they need an upgrade. There. They need an upgrade there. They need uh, an upgrade, though. That's why. Joe, Miles Sanders is going. Uh, I think we started to see 
the gain well transition even in these playoffs that they while they had leads I think they saw that he could handle it um and I think you'll see Sanders move on because someone's going to pay him he's the fifth leading rusher in the league the Eagles are not going to pay a running back we all know that uh they have gain well they probably bring back Boston Scott at a lower uh, at a you know a low number and probably draft a guy in the fifth or sixth round so I don't think you'll see Sanders back, not necessarily tied to his performance in this game, just because of business. Same with Sayamala. I, I just think business-wise, I just saw McShay's mock draft. Not that these things are gospel, but you're, you're almost like, they're going to draft a lineman in the first round? Well, they'd have him taking the kid from Oklahoma who plays tackle, but they said can play some guard for the couple years until Lane Johnson leaves, and you can play him at guard for, you know. So this is what the Eagles do. I mean, they draft on the lines. They feel comfortable that they scout that position well. Sayamala is going to get – I would imagine he'll be the big V of this offseason. He'll get somebody that you're like, whoa, what were you thinking there? Now, he had a very good year, but that offsides yeah. he had, don't forget about that. It's third yeah. and one. They're in the rugby scrum. They're getting that first yeah. down, and he goes offsides the next play they fumble. So that, that offsides – that was, that was a bad play. There, No question. But Isaac is a good player. I don't like the, oh, the – I, I like the buy tie uh, comparison because he's going to get paid. Bytag yes. was younger, uh, but he's a much better player than Hollow. Absolutely. And I, again, I'm not saying that he's going to not come back because of his performance in this particular game. I think Samal is just another business philosophy decision, philosophical of we'll find a guard. We can get coach a guy up. He might not be as good. But how many Cam Jurgens if uh, Jason be, Kelsey comes back? Could be Cam right. Jurgens, I guess. Um, you could think about Driscoll in that spot. But, um, yeah, I don't think either one of those guys. Now, Watkins on the third receiver, I wouldn't be surprised if they target to try to get an upgrade in that spot, whether he's back yeah, or not. I guess it. he has a contract to be the fourth guy. He'll be back. Yeah, he's got to catch that ball, by the way. He's got to catch that ball. Oh, yeah. That was a huge play in the game. And that huge. ball was right on target. Another great throw by Jalen Hurts in that. The guy game. jumps. He doesn't need to jump for that ball. The ball's it, right yeah. in your hands, and he's leaping for it, and it, it made him almost go past the ball. Yeah. All right, enough of this spilt milk, uh, Mike. It's time to turn the page. Um, the Eagles lost both of their coordinators, which is the bigger hit, Jonathan Gannon, Shane Steichen. <laughs> Uh, I would imagine the popular answer would be the bigger hit is Steichen. But for me, it's probably Gannon. And the reason would be Steichen. And I think they have in-house candidates that Jalen Hurts feels comfortable with who have been around him for long enough to keep that synergy going. Brian Johnson's been here for the two years. Um, Petula, now Petula might go with Gannon out to Arizona if he gets a coordinator job, I would imagine. But they have some synergy on the offensive side of the ball, not to mention they have almost every guy on offense coming back. The new coordinator, whoever that may be, is going to be dealing with a completely reshuffled deck now, you would imagine. I mean, he's going to have a lot of different looks on this defense. And for all that Gannon was this and that, they had the number one pass defense in the league. They were the top team in yards against uh, – by, or the second team by a yard – they had 70-plus sacks. They had more turnovers than just about every team in the league. Um, numerically speaking, over 17 games, they were – I said, if you did not like the Eagles' defense, tell me a defense in this league that you did like. I would be hard-pressed to find one that you were like, 
Man, that defense was really, well, really good. Uh, uh, let me Wink, throw Wink this. Martindale yeah. with the Giants. That's what Eagle fans want. Yeah. Let's blitz. Right. Let's blitz. Under today's football rules, Gannon's defense is excellent. And you're going to have to have somebody come in and either – now, I said, you might have hated Gannon – and they might promote Denar Wilson, and you're going to get the same style of defense most likely, or they're going to bring somebody in here who keeps those principles based on the personnel that they have. So I think losing Gannon hurts more because you're probably going to try to get somebody who's going to run his style of defense. Yeah. That, right, me, I wanna, let, can I throw something before you go, Jody? Right. I want to throw this at both of you guys because this is another one that drives me insane. Uh, the thought process that the Eagles play bad against good quarterbacks. What kind of analysis is that? Isn't that common sense? Patrick Mahomes threw for 5,200 yards before he ever played the Eagles. Evidently, yeah. other teams are struggling <laughs> against the best quarterback in football. Obviously, I, it's easier I, it's to play bad Listen. quarterbacks. I break it down like this. The 49ers had the best rush defense in the league. And I think I talked about this on your show. They had the best rush defense in the league. They got the best rush defense in the league by the 17 games that they played, which did not include a team that can run the ball down their throat like the Philadelphia Eagles. If you play the Eagles a handful of times, you're not going to be the best rush defense in the league. You can only play Patrick Mahomes once that game there you don't get opportunities to practice and see that level of quarterback all the time so you are most likely going to struggle against that quarterback when you don't get to play that level of quarterback every single week you know it's like they were talking about in the Super Bowl what makes the Eagles so difficult well when you try to have the scout team run their RPO they can't do it as well as the Eagles. So when they see the Eagles, they're like, geez, this is a lot faster than we saw it in practice. Well, when you get ready for Patrick Mahomes, you don't see a quarterback all season long that, that is that good. So how can you prepare for a guy when you never see that guy? So when you play that guy, you are most likely going to have a tough day at the office, and that's why the great players are great because there's so few of them and there's so few chances to practice against them because you only get to practice against them when you play them in a real game. The reason why I'll actually accept that for criticism is Kansas City didn't go undefeated. They did lose three times. So three teams figured out how to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Eagles didn't. So I, I, it's overly simplistic to say, oh, the Eagles can't play. Eagles struggle against good quarterback. Yeah, so is everybody else struggling so, against yes. Patrick Mahomes. That's they, my point. Three, three, now, tie, three teams found a way to beat them. And, I agree. Yeah. and, so, and these guys aren't it. perfect. They're not perfect. They're not no. great every single week. But they're and, and by the way, a lot of times when they lose, Mahomes is still great. They lose for exactly. other. It is a team. It is they, a team they, game. They beat other parts of the team. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Now I don't know. I don't have the numbers up for Patrick Mahomes in those three losses. But I guarantee you, one of them was good at the bare minimum. Probably more than one from his standpoint. And they beat other aspects of the team. Here's and, here's and the one that hurts. Frank Reich beat him this year. Ouch. That, yeah. that, that's, uh, he also know, lost. He's getting very yeah. specific and we're uh, threading a needle to say the Colts. But they did. The Colts he beat lost to Joe Burrow and Josh Allen as well. 
for his other two losses. And and and, and I'm guaranteeing, not even looking at, I'm guaranteeing his numbers were pretty good in a couple of those losses. Well, Indy actually held him to 17 points. That's why I'm bringing up. Well, and listen, we go back to and and so you know we mentioned the Eagles defense. John Gannon, for whatever reason, played more man coverage, sixty percent. Why? What was going on? And they, yeah. um, they blitzed the fourth most in this game than they blitzed all year long. They were trying different things to go after this guy. It just wasn't working. It was a, yeah. it was a blitz on the Sky Moore touchdown. That's yeah. why yeah. he was so wide open. You couldn't even figure out if you're watching it on TV, Michael. I want to say who missed the coverage. You couldn't figure it out because there was no one in the picture. Yeah. There wasn't an, yep. even a D-back that could make the, the camera shot. But he he's so got it. Open. Guys, he's got to make adjustments. He doesn't yeah. make adjustments. All right, let me run this by you, Mike Gill. We're running late, uh, both you guys. Uh, and I'd love to take credit for it, but it wasn't my idea. It was Matt Verderan with me last night on uh, WIP. Offensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals. Um Eric Bieniemy leaves Kansas City, leaves Andy Reid. They've told him he could leave. They they didn't uh, re-up him immediately last year. They said, go out and see if you find something. If not, come back, be our offensive coordinator again, which he did. Um, he hasn't gotten a head coaching gig, which some people think that uh, he should have by now. Does he go elsewhere? Would he be a perfect fit with Arizona? Because Gannon needs a – no nonsense, take charge kind of guy over Kyler Murray. Uh, one of the very few Kyler Murray has to at least give credence to his Eric B. Enemy. He's got rings he can flash in his face. Eric B. Enemy, Gannon's offensive coordinator in Arizona. What do you think? Hey, listen, if anybody can grab Eric B. Enemy to be their offensive coordinator, especially at this stage of the offseason, I think that would be a huge coup. I'm looking at what's going on in Washington. Apparently they wanted to talk with them. They they talked with uh, our uh, local yeah, guy he here. Is interviewing with Washington. Uh, yes, Washington and uh, Greg Roman, a local guy down here, uh, interviewed with Washington yesterday. But if you can get Eric Bieniemy in Washington in this division, I think the Eagles are going to be up against a Washington team that's going to start to turn the page, and then that would set up the possibility that if Ron Rivera gets off to a slow start, that you know he gets elevated to a head coaching role. But look. A lot of times, and, and this is interesting, Jody, why does John Gannon get a head coaching job? He just got ripped in the Super Bowl. You don't get not hired based on one game. Your resume matters. When you have a bad day at work, you don't get fired. They say, man, this guy's a great producer. He just had a bad week. He's not bringing in the same sales because maybe his whatever. John Gannon must have gone in there and, and told them, my staff can look like this. You know, you get hired because of what your staff can look like. So, if he had some connection to say, hey, I can get Eric Bieniemy to come here, that's a huge move for Gannon. But I would be more in concerned if I'm an Eagles fan, yeah. if Washington I, I can get, get, get Bieniemy to go there. Yeah, I think right, because if you're Washington. going to Arizona, the pipeline to become the head coach there is a lot, you know, that's a, a different, that's an avenue that's almost shut off. If you go to Washington, there's an avenue that you could become their head coach, right? Yeah. Be because of, if that, now, of course, if you get off to a bad start, it could be because of your offense, but that would be probably unlikely. Drew Petsing, remember that name, or Nick Kelly, remember those names. Nobody heard of him. It's probably going to be Jonathan Gannon's uh, offensive coordinator. Uh, 
we'll see how it works out. It's not going to be sexy, but uh, it might work out. Mikey G, we appreciate whatever you do. Jump on board with us. Thanks for doing it today. You know, we're going to hit you up every single Wednesday during the offseason as well. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, big guy. All right, boys. Take care. Thanks, Mike. Mike. Gill, At Mike Gill's show, three to seven, uh, two to six. What is it, Mike? I screwed it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm thinking the of Bash on 97.3 ESPN. You can find it today. And uh, chances are McMullen will be on it later. If not, it'll be tomorrow. I think it's uh, two to six. Two to six. There, corrected myself. All right, quickie timeout. We got to come back, put a bow on the show. We're running late here on Birds 365. fans were cut from a different cloth born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life we believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible while we may be from different neighborhoods come sunday we are one and we will be heard pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi, I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. My name is uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Johnny Mac, Cody Mac, 
we'll be back in two and two. You know that's the case. Uh, tomorrow we'll be right back here again. Uh, our bud John Stolness from Bleeding Green Nation is going to be aboard. In two and two, John McMahon, will we have either of the two coordinator positions filled by the Philadelphia Eagles? Is there going to be a snap response that we got to put this guy in place right away? No, can't do it. But as I said, the NFL rules. Oh, that's right. Uh, you got to yeah. interview somebody. Yeah. They don't have somebody handy to get into the offices no. today. But, to... but, but the problem is now you have to – Eagles used to do that with Deuce Staley back in the day uh, to sort of uh, satiate the Rooney rule, unfortunately. Now you have to have at least one external candidate, and you have to do it in person. So you have to bring that person in. So there are some logistics you have to go through. Right, Even now, though Brian Johnson would be a Rooney Rule candidate, you can't just promote him. You gotta. You still have to talk to at least one other. All uh, right. So candidate. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give our loyal people who are still here all 200 and change of you. A couple checked out too early. Shame on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just a peek behind the curtain. Peek behind the John McMullen uh, curtain. Not a full look. Just a peek. Johnny Mac told me on Sunday, yeah, Gannon's going. And I'm going, hey, well, let's see the game first. Uh, if he has a bag. No, they didn't have a great defensive game. And Gannon still got the job. So there are certain things that are in place that aren't officially in place just yet. Will you get a a, a heads up? Will you get a uh, an inkling of the fact that the Eagles... Yeah, kind of get something done, but can't officially get it done because the league rules say they can't get it done just yet. Do you think that you will uh, feel strongly without coming out and saying that the Eagles have uh, decided who their new offensive coordinator not, is? Not, 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 not in the way you're phrasing it. Uh, not in the way I was. Like, I kind of knew JG uh, was getting the Cardinals job. And you, you always have a little bit worry, wariness because Bill Bidwell's kind of a. Uh, a loose card, but the only way that was going to be was derailed was by the owner at the last minute. Right. Um, in, in this case, the Eagles are too smart. They know they can't uh, say anything, but I'm very confident. Brian Johnson is going to be the next offensive. Right. I'm already, why, I'm that's very, why I'm, that's why I'm asking the question the way I'm asking it. I'm very confident. He's going to be the next offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. But no, that has nothing to do with the Eagles sort of wink winking it. They know they have to uh, interview somebody outside the organization. They're not going to let anything out of the bag until that happens. Okay. Just double checking thought maybe you had a, a good source that could give you the wink wink nod nod. You say it's not happening. I believe it's not happening. There's only one way to find out. Come back here tomorrow because John McMullen and Jody McDonald will be back. Birds 365 tomorrow here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365. The destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.